0: The The Business Buzz Podcast. The The Business Buzz. Buzz. Good afternoon and welcome to the Business Buzz for your weekly dose of business, finance and economics news right here on Vow FM, that's Voice of Fits 88.1. We're broadcasting live from our studios right here in Braamfontein Johannesburg and we're going to be taking you for the next hour or so. My name is Murio Mob Justice Gawaza and I'll be your host. Now, who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek um, to unpack and keep you entertained, educated and intrigued about the world. World of business now for today we are talking about uh, the IMF loan uh, that was approved uh, last week um, so basically the International Monetary Fund or the IMF is an organization with about 189 countries working to foster global monetary cooperation secure financial stability facilitate international trade promote high un- high employment and sustain economic growth and reduce poverty around the world Now, the IMF recently approved a loan uh, to help South Africa with the fight against COVID-19. And our question for today is, what does that actually mean? Uh, First, in terms of our relationship with international funders, and then secondly, how does that affect um, ordinary South Africans? And to help us unpack and navigate the topic, we are joined uh, by uh, Prof. Keith Breckenridge, uh, who is a professor and deputy director at uh, the vitz institute for social and economic research and he's going to be talking to us about uh, the loan and what his possible conditions could mean and then we talk to our resident financial expert uh, that is ken swettenham uh, we normally have him on our business wrapper for today he's going to be helping us to understand um, how some of these loans and international funding actually affect uh, the life lives of ordinary south africans if at all now coming up for the next um, hour apart from uh, you know that discussion around um, the loans we're going to be getting into the business wrap that's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news and we're also going to be getting into the Buffalo Index where we tell you the state of your 100 Rand so that's how the show is looking like remember that you can um, join in the conversation on uh, social media on Facebook we have our firm that's voice of vids you can also find our other Facebook page, that is the Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at FM and then our hashtag is hashtag BusinessBuzz. You can also stream the station live on uh, VALFM.co.za, and remember that podcasts of The Business Buzz Show are available on IONO.FM, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and also on Spotify. And then all our other great content, you can find it on VALFM.co.za forward slash business. So don't turn that down. we are here for the Next hour that's how the show is going To be looking like so keep it locked this Is the business buzz More justice on the business Buzz It's time for us to get into the week's uh, top trending business and economics news. And uh, for today, we just start off with the fact that uh, SA business leaders are growing increasingly concerned that the government doesn't have the will or capacity to overcome the economic devastation route by the coronavirus pandemic. Business for South Africa or B4SA actually expects the economy to contract by as much as 10% this year and has spent the past four months drafting a plan uh, to get uh, to get it back on track. About 250 experts worked for free on uh, the proposals that could potentially add one trillion rand to GDP, but they gained uh, limited traction with the authorities so far. Uh, B4SA's plan actually calls for the government to fulfill long-standing pledges uh, to make it easier to do business, clamp down on uh, graft and uh, overhaul badly managed uh, state owned enterprises. The group actually opposes tinkering with the reserve bank's mandate and threatens uh to and threats to its independence and dictating uh, pension funds on how to invest i uh, definitely want to keep an eye on um, especially when you see what's going on with private sector players trying to play a bigger role in the economy and we hope that the government is going to be doing their bit uh, to take on some of these uh some of these suggestions and then we move on to the fact that uh South Africa's recovery from the coronavirus pandemic and the lockdown restrictions implemented to help, um, you know, curb that spread, um, with the state will unlikely uh, to meet the ambitious targets it has set for itself. um, In because it's already got um, weak finances. This is uh, what ABSA's ABSA South Africa's macroeconomics team is saying because it expects that the budget deficit will reach. 16.6 16.6 percent of GDP as revenues crater uh, due to shrinking economic growth and as the state struggles to deliver on the extensive cuts to spending, notably wages promised in February's national budget. APSA's forecast is higher than the 14.6 percent that Finance Minister Tito announced for the main budget deficit in the special supplementary budget. Boweni also outlined an additional 230 billion rand in spending cuts over the next two years on top of the 160 billion rand in cuts uh, to public service uh, pay that were announced in February but uh, the pay reductions face fierce resistance with public sector unions um, taking legal actions over the state's refusal to implement uh, the final round of wage increases uh, promised for the most recent uh, multi year wage agreement Uh, these were supposed to actually come into effect in April. And then just moving on to what's been going on in uh, the uh, vehicle car sales, and it seems that uh, some data has uh, come out uh, from, uh, you know, the, the, the body uh, that's in charge of vehicle sales. And basically they're showing that the July 2020 uh, new passenger car market actually registered a substantial decline of 35.8% uh, to about 18,900 vehicles um, so sold compared to 29,400 new vehicles sold in the same month last year. The contribution of the car rental industry only comprised about 1.4% in July um, of that. And then at the same time, we saw that vehicle exports uh, for July 2020 recorded a decline of almost 30% uh, compared to the same period last year. And then finally, it seems that uh, the International Monetary Fund actually ...expects uh, South Africa to provide quarterly reports um, on its COVID-19 support programs to individuals and companies as well as regular reports uh, on progress of its plans to stabilize debt and promote growth um, through structural reforms. Uh, so says the IMF's uh, rep- resident representative, uh, that's Montford um, um, lachila this past week. Um, he was uh, speaking on a webinar that was actually um, organized by the asset manager that is 91. South Africa received the IMF loan. That's uh, the main topic of of today's show and um, they're actually saying that uh, the loan money will be monitored through periodic reports and the publication of all contracts including the beneficial owners and companies involved uh, by the National Treasury It is also required uh, that COVID-19 spending be audited. As the institution does not have an investigative capacity, it will rely on the general public, the media and civil society organizations to ensure that good governance Is taken care of So that's what uh, the news is looking like In terms of the economy Uh, On that last one around that IMF loan We're going to be delving deeper Into it when we get into our main topic So definitely make sure you keep it locked This is the Business Buzz More justice on the Business Buzz The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz we now switch over to the state of your 100 Rand in our Buffalo index. That's what we tell you, uh, what 100 Rand can do for you. And for today, because we have the IMF loan in focus, and uh, some of the things that we do know about is that it's 4.3 billion, uh, US dollars, which translates to about 70 billion Rand, and that interest rates are likely to be sitting at around 1%, because, you know, you know, that's what's going on in, uh, in Western countries, uh, particularly Particularly the US and also because this is said to be aid so interest rates are relatively low but we wanted to check what uh, would happen in normal markets using prevailing interest rates um, if you invested uh, 100 rand in a fixed deposit account what it would amount to so at different intervals if you invested a buffalo or hundred rand in a fixed deposit account for 18 months at seven percent um, interest uh, you would earn 10 rand um, over that period if you take took the same amount of money and deposit it for 12 months now that's a year at the same seven percent interest rate you would earn just seven rand at uh, six months at the same interest rate of seven percent that would earn you about three rand but if you decided to go uh, the long way and decided that you're going to stick it out and be a proper long-term investor planning for your future a hundred rand over 60 months or five years at seven percent interest rate would earn you about 35 rand so that's what the state of your 100 is looking like if you are looking to grow your money or to see what's going on because um, basically you earn money because the banks take um, people's deposits lend it out to other people who then pay back um, that money at a premium called an interest rate and uh, some of that money is shared out amongst people that would have deposited in these accounts so that's what uh, your buffalo is looking like on the other side of this we tell you what uh, a a loan the size of 70 billion rand actually means for the south african economy the buffalo index on the business buzz to the business buzz. Welcome back to the business buzz, and for today we are talking about you know one of the things uh, that's happened recently, and that was the approval of uh, a seventy billion rand loan uh, that came from the International Monetary Fund. Uh, this was approved uh, this past week for South Africa to help the country manage the immediate consequences of the fallout of uh, the COVID nineteen crisis. So today we're going to be looking um, into. Some of the pros, cons, and conditions uh, that are actually attached to the loan, what it means for the country, and um, you know later on, what does it actually mean uh, for you and I, if anything at all? And uh, before we get into it, remember that you can engage with us on Facebook. We are VOW FM. That's Voice of Vitz. You can also find our other Facebook page that is Vitz Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at VARFM. And then our hashtag is hashtag buzz. So to get, uh, you know, a sense of what's going on, um, I, some might call this the political perspective. Some might call this uh, the macro perspective. Uh, but we just want to talk to uh, Professor Keith Breckenridge, who is um, the deputy director of the WITS Institute uh, for Social and Economics Re- uh, Economic Research, about what some of these issues mean. Uh, Prof, greetings to you.
1: Thank you. Thanks, everybody. It's very nice to have this
0: opportunity to speak to you. No, no, no. Thank you so much for joining us. I think a good point of departure for us is, uh, you know, in terms of uh, setting the scene, is uh, what has actually been, you know, I guess Africa or South Africa's history with, uh, you know, institutions like the IMF. um, Has it been a a good one or a bad one from, uh, from what you know?
1: So there are two distinct stories, there's lots of we could talk about at this. Uh, The first one is obviously the history of structural adjustments and almost all um, African economies, in some ways even the South African economy, were subject to um, conditional loans in the early, early 1980s which were Really very onerous, and, and I think most people would accept destroyed state capacity and social welfare. Almost, you know, it's hard to name an African country that didn't experience this, perhaps Ethiopia, because it was going through such a terrible time anyway. So there's this history of structural adjustment, um, conditional loans that were really about reducing the, the burden of the fiscus. And Zambia is a case study of this very extreme, difficult time. Um, where life was so hard that people who lived in the cities were basically forced to, to leave the cities and go back to the countryside. And of course, much of this happened while the ANC was actually resident in in Zambia. So when the ANC took power in South Africa, the second part of the story was really a determined effort to avoid a situation where the South African economy would be dependent on the IMF and the fear in the ANC in particular about the loss of sovereignty that comes with these, you know, they're, they're actually very good deals. They, they look good when you first get them, but they have, they come with the loss of control really over the economy. So the South African, the finance minister, you know, this is a whole group of people. I, I think it's fair to say that it's Tabumbek in particular who got a really strong grip on the economy to the point where by about 2009, just about the point where the Zuma administration comes in, the South African government is borrowing very little. And it's, um, it's really in a position basically who would have won in the economy it, can, it, can do, it could have done much more borrowing in that period, but, but by 2009, it completely freed itself. So the third part of the story is the massive expansion of government borrowing uh, from the local bond market in Rams between 2008 and where we stand now, so that we are now drowning in debt. Not, Not worse than other people, there are lots of other economies that are in this position, but the really striking thing is how much the state requires the bond market to work now um, and how independent
0: it was a decade ago um, I think then that can sort of uh, prompt that question um, around uh, the sovereignty that you sp- that you spoke about just now. Is the fear about you know sovereignty or is the fear um, just about having um, someone else sort of um, checking? um what the government is actually doing is would you say that's one of the reasons why we've tended to borrow more um, domestically that in terms of you know sanctioning the country or you know just in terms of repercussions you'd rather be indebted um to someone locally as opposed to an international body um that might tarnish your image uh, internationally
1: Um. The dependence on the local bond market, what we would call the rand bond market, is really a—it's a key instrument of the last 20 years of the apartheid state. So this was a series of reforms, basically, uh, which um, I mean we mostly associate with Stolz, the who became eventually the Reserve Bank governor after '94. Um, so that's that, that Using the local bond market as a way of funding the state is something that the apartheid state was forced to do because it, after '85, couldn't really borrow overseas. The ANC inherited that instrument, very powerful instrument. Almost all African countries are trying to push towards building their own domestic bond markets, that which you know basically can issue debt and the local currency. Um, so sovereignty is part of it. Uh, I mean, it's important to, to to be to be aware that the it was the local borrowing that was also very heavily reduced in the first 15 years between 95 and 2010. The and the British government reduced its dependence on the local bond market, and of course, one of the things you've got to be careful about is that a lot of the people buying in the local bond market are international banks. So it, it's rand-denominated, but. The sovereignty issue is really about borrowing more than it is about the currency. Uh, Currency acts as a kind of buffer. It's a slight protection. There's not really a protection if you have to go back to the bond market. It doesn't really matter what currency you're borrowing and you've got to borrow from JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. It's, you know, the, the, the real issue is the interest rates rather than the currency.
0: So what do you make of um, the IMF's rapid financing instrument? Um, despite some of the stringent conditions that are usually attached to some of these loans, uh, the, the IMF itself has actually argued um, you know, that this is, this is a different um, you know, type of loan. What do you make of it?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think there are many things you can say. I mean, the first one is that it's a very low-interest loan, so we're borrowing in dollars on the dollar bond market, so that means we're borrowing at about 1.5%. If you borrow in rands, you pay, you know, basically rand interest rates are much closer to 10%. So it's cheap money if the currency doesn't collapse, Um, and that's one of the things the Treasury has in mind. The real question is, um what will happen once COVID is over and i think there's there's there are many worries in the in the treasury um about essentially our ability to uh we have a lot of we have the the estimate is that we're about five billion dollars short of where we need to be um in terms of the obligations that the state has offshore, in other words, foreign debt. We don't have no foreign debt. We have quite a lot of foreign debt. And of course we have a whole lot of imports we have to pay for. So this gives us some dollars that will help cushion any crime, any, when the crisis comes after COVID is, you know, more or less packed up. In other words, the damage that's been done to the economy will be in some way protected by this. That's one. So that's the technical explanation, but that's also a political explanation. I don't think, I certainly think this is Treasury's way of sort of saying it needs allies and it wants the IMF um, as an ally against what what we could call a modern monetary theory people who believe that the state should basically issue debt, uh, that the bank the reserve bank should buy the government's debt and then you know that would be a way of expanding the the, the the pool of funds that's available to the to the government and there's a lot of fear that that will break the bond market and this is a way of establishing a set of conditions which stop, which prevent the government from moving towards a uh, Zimbabwe-like situation where the government, where the bank actually buys the government's debt. <clears throat> At least does that in unrestricted, in unrestricted way. The IMS now have the kind of uh, some measure of leverage over our economy because we owe them money. And that, that does,
2: I think, give Treasury some uh, it, it gives them a
1: group of people they can blame when they get into these arguments with see about where
0: the money should come from. I think that then, you know, begs that uh, question. I, I like the fact that you've brought up that uh, example of um, Zimbabwe and just now you're talking about just issuing debt as a way to fund uh, activities. Is this not how the U.S. has actually responded to the COVID-19 crisis by simply, um, you know, printing that $2 trillion or however much amount of money that it has been able? How come a country like South Africa can't be doing um, the same thing to fund yeah, its activities? Well,
1: that's a good question. I mean, the, the truth is that money is a, is a product. It's like any other product. It's like, a, you know, it's... It, Things that people care about, like iPhones and uh, a currency, is just like that. So, and it's got, it has demand and it has supply. And some people want dollars. Lots of people want dollars. Uh, In fact, the whole world seems to want dollars, including the Chinese. Everybody else who wants U.S. dollar-denominated treasuries, and that's because of the, the size of the U.S. economy. But it's also because the dollar has a long history, really, of being a very stable investments. Uh, that is not true for the South African land. So, and it's certainly not true for Zimbabwean currency, isn't it? so, what, what economies have are, exist in a world of, um, it's like a psychological world. You've got to persuade people that there are, there are risks and rewards involved in, uh, investing in the things you want to sell, and currencies are exactly the same. The real danger in the South African economy, and I think we're close to this, is wholesale fear around the, the long-term value of the currency. And you can see this, you know, long-term, 30-year bond, bonds in South Africa. The interest rate is now the highest in the world. It's twelve and a half percent. Uh, that means that people think that there's real risk in the future that the currency is going to be um, you know, Something the government wants to defend So the, uh, you see the point, it's not that I mean economies don't function independently They are all part of the same global economy And if you start filling with your If we start something with our economy We basically increase the tendency of investors to move towards others For Swiss franc
0: or the renminbi or, to, or the US dollar it certainly does sound like you know, the world is is finding itself uh, in in a bit of a reckoning, in that um, you know, treasury and the finance uh, the finance ministry, you know, sort of have their backs up against the wall on this
1: one. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they are. You can see they're prepared. I mean, we're nowhere near the the, the worst awfulness because we have capital controls. We've never basically allowed free movement of currency offshore um, so uh, and i think that's been actually really wise it's it's like a, a a firewall that protects us it slows down the, the speed at which money can be disinvested from the country and converted into other currencies but the the general momentum i think is now towards in the, away from the rand away from the south african economy and it's hard to see how the amc can fix that from where where its policies are at the moment um there is a huge amount of debt globally and the countries that us that are in the most trouble are places like turkey and argentina which have had very high value currencies for a long well relatively high value currency and they've they've borrowed in that you know when but their currencies are worth a lot, so they were encouraged to borrow buy, to buy in dollars. Um, and now they face a really serious problem on how to service those debts. We are generally speaking much better off, I think, than, than almost everybody else. But we, in terms of how much we owe in offshore, how much we have um, owing in dollars, but we have some other serious, serious problems in our economy, uh, which are worse, much worse here than they are in places like Turkey.
0: I think as we end off this discussion, Prof, I'm interested to get your thoughts, um, and I think our listeners would be quite keen uh, to get your insights on 70 billion rand. What does that actually mean? Because when we heard about uh, the approval of the loan last year, uh, last week, sorry, um, it really did sound like a big amount of money, but within the context of a 5 or so trillion rand, uh, GDP sort of uh, landscape. What is seventy billion rand? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think the way to think about it is it's it's
1: lubrication. It's what the what the banks call liquidity. Um, it's just a way of saying that they they can you know they don't have to rely as much as they did on the on the bond markets. They've got some money they can use. To just make sure that the, the bond market never kind of, never kind of hits a, a point where no one wants to borrow, no one wants to lend to the government. So the 70 billion Rand is not very much given the amount of money that the state has to borrow every year, um, which is, you know, I would say about 400, 350, 400 billion Rand, so five times as much. But, but 20% is still a lot. So it's, one, one way to think about it is like, this is oil in the bond market. It's just a way of making sure the bond market keeps moving because the state can draw on the this, this low interest dollar denominated loan um, when it really needs it. So, you know, the, the, another way to look at it is it's not a lot. The amount of money that the, they borrowed from the IMF is probably about the same as the, the SARS, the revenue shortfall cause of COVID. Um, we're probably going to be about the same amount, 70 billion rand short in terms of the amount of money the state brings in in tax. And this just calms people down, uh, especially the people who what we call bond vigilantes, the people who want to encourage fear and panic around uh, lending to the South African government, gives them the kind of weapon that they can use to protect themselves.
0: So that's been us with uh, Professor Keith Breckenridge, who is uh, the Deputy Director at the Vitz Institute for Social and Economic Research. Uh, Just giving us uh, some insight into what uh, the recently approved uh, IMF loan of uh, $4.3 billion or 70 billion rand um, actually means for the economy. Uh, Just speaking about the fact that um, as a a financing instrument, the IMF loans haven't always been uh, popular With governments around Africa and uh, the ANC um, in particular, you know, has tended to see them um, as something that might uh, reduce uh, the, you know, the sovereignty of the state. Uh, Just talking about the fact that uh, at the end of the day, uh, there are a lot of different financing options that are available um, to a government um, that that they can actually draw on. Uh, But he's just saying, you know, the IMF uh, probably gave uh, a good way. Uh, To provide some liquidity to the market, and uh, he called it oil uh, to actually keep uh, the bond market going. So that's been it. On the other side of this, we continue with our conversation around uh, the IMF loan. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. The, The Business Buzz. In our COVID business watch for today, our producer, Slindle Sibi spoke to uh, Kahiso Noke, who is 38 years old and actually works as a CFO at a local municipality in uh, the Northern Cape as having been in that position for about the last three years. And he actually has a passion for events, fashion, traveling, and wine and launched a sparkling wine uh, product during the lockdown called uh, Michelle by KN. It is currently being distributed in Rustenburg, King's and um, Queen's Lifestyle Lounge, Carabos uh, in uh, Pokang, uh, Fontaine Calder's uh, Bottle Store, uh, Chiller's Lounge in uh, Industrial Site, uh, together with uh, Lakes in Liquor Restaurant. Uh, so he was answering just a couple of uh, questions talking about uh, uh, what made him uh, launch uh, the product during the lockdown. Did the global pandemic actually have a negative or positive impact on the business? And does he think that his product will eventually thrive in the country or might he have to change the product until the economy is a bit more stable? And in addition, what advice does he have for entrepreneurs uh, that might have had to put their business uh, businesses or business ideas on hold due to COVID-19? Here's what he had to say.
3: I launched a sparkling wine when uh, alcohol ban was lifted during lockdown and honestly I was hoping that since everyone was so thirsty after being denied alcohol over the last um, few months, they would jump on this opportunity to just grab whatever it is on the market. So I really felt good that this was going to you know, um, make it out there and people are going to enjoy it and love it. However, I must say that um, the response when I launched this product at first was very positive and people are loving it, people are appreciating it. People love the taste, the look and everything else. Yes, the lockdown generally affected everyone negatively. However, I'm one person a bit optimistic that if I do something, I only look forward to you know, um, the positives to come out of that, um, regardless of whatever challenges they are, I mean, life is full of challenges. So, um, that's one of the obstacles that one really wasn't, wasn't anticipating to happen, that there'll suddenly be a lockdown and be a will be global pandemic. And however, I'm still positive to say, look, um, it is going to make it out there. And yeah, um, Michelle by KN will be the one everyone will be enjoying coming to us this festive. Um, for me, the issue of <clears throat> lockdown and, uh, global pandemic for me it's just something to be short lived not not, not going to be um permanent and everyone is going to come out of it eventually um i believe that this particular one will thrive in the country um i the covid 19 and the global pandemic uh, i'm also uh, i'm doing this because it's a passion something that i really feel it's coming from my heart to the world out there and i believe that i'm I will do whatever it is to make sure that it reaches the target that I've set in mind for myself, and that people of South Africa are able to enjoy this wine. Um, this one is made of the red muscatel grapes, uh, which gives the wine the strawberry-like taste. It's only being sold now. Um, you know, I tested people's responses around January this year to see how they're going to react to the product itself, and. The feedback was very amazing, as everybody wanted to have to know what is the secretary that you say in and everyone enjoyed it. Um, to everyone out there that has to put their business on hold because of Covid nineteen. My advice to you is that um use this break to you know find out more strategies on how best you can deal with something like this. Go to your risk risk registers, and you know, Develop risk, uh, risk strategies to deal with something like this going forward. You never know what will come again in the in the future. At least by then you would be prepared, and you know you may have some mitigating strategies on how best you can deal with this. Um, do not despair. Just take it as a as a challenge that is out there that one cannot do anything without. But you, you've got a mind. You've got, you've got you've got you've got the ability to make this. Um, yeah, go out there, adjust your risk, develop your strategies, and see what 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 best can come out of this. Don't expect People can get in touch with me on my cell phone. It's zero seven three one double five two one eight seven. I repeat, zero seven three one double five two one eight seven. There's also a WhatsApp number that I use. Um, on Facebook, it's Kachison Noike. Okay? There's a website, uh, www. KN It's K A Y N projects dot um, Social media pages would be developed and uh, they will be published on this website as soon as they are available. Thank you.
0: More justice on the business bars. Welcome back to the Business Buzz, and uh, today we are talking about, uh, you know, what some of these loans mean for uh, for the country. Uh, we've just uh, given you some background just around it, but right now we want to make it relatable and just uh, talk about, you know, is this something that's actually going to affect uh, you and you and I, or is this something that uh, is likely going to be more of uh, the government's issue? And to sort of help us unpack it, we are joined uh, by Ken ham who is our financial expert um, you know anyone who listens to the business buzz we he usually hear him um, around the business rep but for today uh, he's just shedding some uh, insights um, around this issue um, Ken greetings to you and uh, I guess as a you know as a point of departure you know when the country does borrow this money from uh, you know some of these large institutions is this something that ordinarily ends up perfecting our ordinary people as they go about their business on a day-to-day basis?
2: Hi, good day to you. Yes, it, it's a very good question. And the answer is quite simply, if this money got paid into South Africa's bank account tomorrow, you and I would go about our business without even noticing it. It's, it's not really going to affect us on a day-to-day basis. But we have to keep in mind that in the longer term that this is a loan. It's not a gift. And, like any of us who might borrow money to, to help us get through our month or, or meet, meet our, our, our budget, the, the government has to do that. The government will have to pay this back. And, of course, Where does the government get the money from? Well, the money is mainly collected through the source of taxes, and taxes are paid by you and I and companies and and, and from various other sources. So all it's doing is, although it's helping our government out with its cash flow problems, and in the short term, in the long term, it's going to put more pressure on the fiscus as the government plunges itself into deeper debt. And then it's going to put more pressure on, on the tax collections, which will indeed then affect you and I.
0: Um actually, on that uh tax collection issue i'm reflecting back to a conversation uh that uh, that we had um It must have been uh, when the hard lockdown was still in effect, and the this was when alcohol was first banned together with uh um cigarettes and at the time, there were estimates that the government was going to um have a shortfall of about uh, 300 billion rand um so i guess with the, within that context of uh, you know these taxes um that you're talking about how, how can the government actually then recover that money, I guess, in future? Like, are they going to levy us more on fuel? <laughs> uh, you know, could they increase VAT? Um, could, I don't know. Like, how, how do they make something like that back? Because this loan doesn't feel like it would be enough.
2: Now, you, again, you're 100% right. It, 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 the loan is really just a drop in the ocean of, of what South Africa actually needs. I mean, South Africa's laid out 500 500- Billion ren towards COVID-19 relief projects, and the loan doesn't even cover that. And in fact, the amount of revenue the fiscus has lost through um, cigarettes and alcohol, because as you know, a, a, quite a big portion of the price of cigarettes and alcohol goes towards what we call sin taxes, and is paid into the fiscus, and then and that's not being collected while they've got a ban on the sale of cigarettes and alcohol. And this loan d- doesn't even cover the losses of the, the, the tax collections government would have had. So so yes, they, they, obviously at some point, cigarettes and alcohol have to come back. And economically, the government cannot afford not to be collecting the, the taxes on those products. And you, you know, you, you mentioned a fuel levy. Yes, that will go up every year, but a fuel levy won't cover this loan. But one of the most effective ways of collecting more tax, unfortunately from all of us is, is VAT. And it didn't go up in the last budget. I wouldn't be at all surprised if VAT goes up in the next budget. It's a very efficient way of collecting tax and everybody pays, whether you're the poorest of the poor or or the richest person in South Africa, when we buy goods, we are paying VAT on it. And so um, that is one way I can see the government collecting more tax from each and every one of us in the future. And that's why I say. You know tomorrow morning you and i will go, we'll wake up and go out, go about our business and and not notice any difference but in the longer term we are certainly going to notice a difference on, on the amount of money we're we're paying over in one form of tax or another oh.
0: and then i guess the other one you know to to sort of uh, give us an idea uh because At the end of the year, one of the big estimates that's there is that uh, South Africa's debt to GDP ratio will be, um, just over 82%. Um, can you relate to us what, what, what that actually means? Is it, is it really that bad? Um, you know, we hear that other countries like the US are heavily indebted. They, they, and they seem to be fine. Um, why do we make such a big ruckus about it? Well, it's simply because
2: of the ability to pay. Uh, the, the, the U.S. economy is, is many times bigger than ours. It's, uh, it's a much more active economy than ours. And of course, they've got the facility to, to pay. They have a much bigger tax base uh, to collect from. And then we can go on and on and on. We, we have a problem. And this is something I think we discussed on the show before. Uh, is that uh, We need to drive growth in South Africa and we need growth-driven projects. But our money that's been collected in taxes is being spent on three things which don't drive growth. And those three things are of course loan repayments, and the more money we we owe the more we have to pay, it's uh, government salaries, our government is the biggest employer in the country, so the wage bill for the government is very, very high, and of course it's the social grants. We've we've got around 16.7 million South Africans collecting one form of social grant. or or another during the course of the month. And those three uh, items are huge cost to our government. They are funded through taxes. And this is not even taking into account the COVID-19 relief packages that have come in. And it leaves very little for for job development and and growth infrastructure development, which is what we really need in South Africa. The bottom line is we just can't really afford to be paying more on debt like like some of the
0: the bigger economies. and then I guess related to, to that, uh, the social spending um, that's, uh, that's actually been instituted because um, South Africa has had a number of different uh, social, um, social spending projects, whether it's social grants, um, whether it's disability, you know, all of that stuff. And now um, there's this stimulus uh, that... That's been given, that's been given the 500 billion and we don't know whether when exactly things will, um, return to normal. Would you, would you think social spending will come back to where it was pre COVID or would the government sort of have created a culture, um, where it's expected to be spending on social projects at this level?
2: Goodness, see, that's the question that uh, that I, well, I wish I could answer. <laughs> it's it's trying to look forward into into the government crystal ball. In a perfect world, again, the country can't necessarily afford to be spending more on the, on, on social grants and, and social spending. They are giving this short term, and it's it's meant to only be short term relief with additional social grants to, to, to help the poorest of the poor. And um, and, and that again, in my opinion, is unsustainable in the long term. It, it I feel it's got to go back and it's a difficult one where when you start giving somebody an extra 350 rand a month and that person gets used to receiving that money and then you suddenly take it away. I, I would imagine it will be reduced by not giving increases in social grants at the time of the budget. Each year the social grants go by by 20 or 30 rand and I would imagine they They possibly won't increase the social grants for a couple of years to, to reel in that extra money rather to just take it away. But um, that, that's just my opinion. We've not been given any indication on how the government is going to be dealing with this over the next, say, 6 to 12 months
0: and hopefully we start coming out of the, the, the COVID-19 crisis. So. Okay, and then I think Lastly, you know, because we are focusing A lot on uh, consumers On uh, ordinary folk Going about their lives um, One of the things that's uh, Been um, happening during You know, these lockdowns um, I'm quite keen To hear what type of uh, Data points um, you've, been, uh, you've been Tracking um, over this time Because Um, at least in the in the start of the lockdown it was hard uh, trying to get you know the traditional economic data uh, from the traditional sources Uh, slowly we've started seeing PMI numbers and all of that coming out um, and some CPI but um, from you know over the last couple of weeks what have you been you know paying attention to uh, just to keep a gauge on the economy?
2: Well well my baby, wait, we were seeing numbers out of the economy, which we've never seen. Uh, I've been in the financial services business now for, whatever well over 30 years and we're seeing interest rates at the lowest they've ever been. We, we You mentioned CPI. We've got a very low rate of interest. Um, it's, it's one thing we look at in particular because, obviously, that's a lot of people with money in the bank and in fixed interest investments are earning a lot less. And uh, on the flip side, if you do have some debt, you're paying the least amount on your debt that you've ever paid on your debt um but really we're looking at at numbers like where what's the 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 gdp growth or i should say contraction going to be this year and uh, we've had uh, uh, quite a big contraction in the second quarter we're looking like we're going to be down on on the around 10 percent on the year this is devastating in an economy that was barely growing at half a percent a year prior to COVID-19 to lose 10% in a year, it's, it's going to suggest it's going to take us probably close to 20 years to recover from this. These are things which which are, are frightening and we've never seen it before in, in our lifetime and if ever. So, um, and it's not only in South Africa, we all think we're alone in this, we're not. This, this is worldwide, the economies worldwide are suffering. The, the American economy has contracted by 32% in a quarter which has had reverberations around the world, including a a, a certain weakness in our currency again over the last week or two. And so, yeah, it's it's, it's around the world. It's going to take the world a long, long time to get back to what we used to consider normal. And I think we've got to get used to what is going to be a a new normal, a term that is bandied around quite a bit
0: so that's been us with our financial expert Ken um, um always uh, always uh, good and able um, to you know relate some of the big uh, macroeconomic issues um, to us you know just relating what a seventy uh, billion rand loan actually means for you and I if at all, and also just uh, talking about some of the ways in which the government uh, could see itself trying to recover that money because um, as Ken said, this is uh, uh, this is not free money one way or another it does need to be given back and at the same time it's against the backdrop of uh, you know expected reduced Um, earnings and uh, recoveries and collections coming in from SARS. So that's what it means for us. We're likely going to be paying for it um, in terms of our taxes because the country does need to pay and uh, we just hope that uh, by the time that uh, such action does happen um, that uh, the country will be back uh, to some type of uh, normalcy and that we'll be actually creating jobs um, that people can then use uh, to pay some of those taxes and in turn uh, help the country to get out of its mountain of debt so that's been it on the other side of this we come to the end of the show to the business bus, business bus and with that we've come to the end of uh, today's show thank you so much to everyone who was listening thank you to our guests thank you to Prof Keith for sharing um, insights around what uh, this loan actually means for South Africa and in in relation to uh, the IMF why you know some of these countries don't like going to the IMF and what it means politically and then to our our resident financial expert Ken Swetenham for just relating to us what uh, some of these loans actually mean going forward it just seems as if you know the 70 billion rand when you think about it in the context of a five or so trillion rand economy it's not that deep and it's likely to be an amount of money that the south african government is able to pay um on its own without uh, too much trouble the big issue at the moment is just trying to ascertain how many more of these loans we're going to see because um, for those that are following, this is perhaps um, the third loan uh, that's come from uh, quote-unquote external sources because we first saw a billion US dollars coming in from the New Development Bank, otherwise known and as the BRICS Bank. And we also saw the African Development Bank coming in with its own chunk of money. And now we have the International Monetary Fund coming in um, with The biggest loan so far And the issue is just how much debt Can the country take, 70 billion On its own, um, and not that deep You know, especially considering the Fact that um, SARS Collects in the region of uh, You know, 1 to 1.5 trillion Rand um, each year You know, according to just the normal Projections, when you think about it From that point of view, but When the debts do pile up, it becomes An issue, also when you th- think about uh, the indebtedness of some of the state-owned enterprises in particular ESCOM with its uh, you know over 400 billion rand in debts it sort of contextualizes what some of these loans actually mean and how much um, they actually go uh, how far they could actually go and the last thing is just trying to make sure that the money gets to where it's meant to go I think that's been a big um, rallying cry or call um, from South African's just trying to make sure that corruption doesn't get in the way and that if the country is going to borrow money from some of these um, international organizations then the least um, they can do is to just make sure that the money gets to its intended recipients uh, projects and uh, you know other service delivery items so that's been it let us know what you think um of uh, some of these uh, Some of these issues um, Do you think It's such It's a deep issue The 70 billion rand If not What are your reasons On Facebook We are ViaFM That's Voice of Vits You can also find Our other Facebook page That is The Vits Radio Academy On Twitter We're at ViaFM And our hashtag Is hashtag Business Buzz You can also Search for us On iono.fm For our podcasts And uh, our links Are available there And then all our Great content Is also available On vits.journalist Slash business. So with that we've reached the end of uh, today's show uh, thank you to our amazing team our technical producer is Kotwano Serame together with our executive producer that is Gloria Mabuza our producers are Lim and Tando Klimba together with uh, Simbarashi Honde. Don't miss the business bar same time same place next week for more insight into the world of business. So don't turn that down there's more great content coming up on the Vow FM lineup and for myself Media Mob Justice Gawaza and the rest of the team it is um, good afternoon it is take care Mob Justice on the Business Buzz The Business Buzz Podcast